0: Should we get into this? Hello.
1: Let's get into it.
0: Oh, we're only rushing because again, I have an eye doctor's appointment and I am <laughs> going to that appointment. <laughs>
1: Honey, and I got a reservation, so let's do it. <laughs> okay,
0: no problem. Um, so hi, everybody. Welcome to Creep Time with Dean and Stu. We've missed you guys. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had like a full throttle episode, but boy, oh, boy, have I got an episode for you. <laughs> like, um, uh, and Stu, you said you haven't heard this one before. Tika Adams is the name. That name doesn't sound familiar at all, right?
1: No, not at all.
0: I, I didn't think you'd heard the story because it's not – super well known and again where i had originally heard it was my favorite murder but they got it from the show i survived fabulous show um but before i jump into the story just a massive thank you to all of the listeners of creep time the podcast thank you so much for your support uh please please make sure that you spread the word about creep time the podcast to your friends and family we love to hear when people discover us through your word of mouth so that is very helpful <laughs> I didn't mean to like make hanging hang in, in the dead air. <laughs>
1: no, every time I don't know if I should be like, yes, thank you, creepers, thank you so much. Like echo your sentiments, Silas. Like
0: every time so I finish it, I turn just to me you. At Silas. <laughs> I turn directly to you and it's just this dead air. And <laughs> the look on your face says like shut the f- up and get on with the not story at all.
1: <laughs> not at all i love that you I, I just never know if it's better if i immediately go yes thank you creepers and then it's like dead air on no, my no. side they love
0: you like i said they love hearing from you no um, i know i love them too Okay, so with that, without further ado, we're just going to jump straight into the story because I have got a lot of story to cover, and it's going to go fast. (laughs) If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home.
1: So, okay.
0: strap in, Stu. Now, strapped. this story, Tika Adams, it is the story of fetal abduction, which is a term I was not familiar with. So, let me just first give you a little bit of backstory on this. I'm not even going to give you a top line. We are going to go on the full roller coaster ride of this story. So, Tika Adams, she was born in 1980 in Washington, D.C. Shout out to oh, Stu. Hey. <laughs> and uh, she had stated herself in a lot of interviews that she was not like the easiest kid when she grew up, especially as she became a teenager. She had a lot of instances growing up where she was constantly at odds with her family. Um, She was running away. And particularly, she calls out in her interviews this poor relationship she had with her father. And it, it just kind of spiraled into her running with a rough crowd. So she said, and she became a rebellious kid. And eventually, she rolls around to 16. She would run away, and this time, for good. So after all of the tensions with her family, she's out, but she's living on the street and she's homeless from the age of 16 for really more than a decade at this point. And I did a bit of like historical um, deep dives on this because at this point, it's 1996, 16, when she runs away. And D.C. at the time had a very big problem with homelessness. Their homeless populations were kind of uh, skyrocketing at, at the time. And it prompted a lot of policy change in local government to step in and really provide resources um, for those who were experiencing homelessness. So they had different emergency shelters that were kind of tackling the problem, the immediate problem of homelessness, but not really the systemic problem of, you know, how these people ended up here. It's kind of assuming that anyone who was homeless was just kind of down on their luck and just needed a place for a couple of weeks and Mm -hmm. not really long-term care. But it's different when Tika eventually winds up at one of these shelters, she would wind up at one that I believe is called the Continuum of Care. And this was a shelter, but it was a little bit different. They had a very robust long-term program. So it was a place where you could stay long-term. It was a place where you could also receive free resources for drug treatments, as well as schooling, if you wanted to finish your education, job training. Uh, So this was a really positive shift for her. And she ends up there by 28. So again, like a full decade had passed of her just kind of roughing it through the streets and kind of oscillating between staying on friends' couches, different places. But she eventually settles down in this shelter where she's determined to get a fresh start. Now, because this was a very positive place for her, she ends up meeting somebody there, a like-minded person, who goes by the name of PJ, this man. Now, they were both in the same situation in their life at this point, where they were really just looking to get back up on their feet PJ is trying to find work, he's getting job training, and he encourages Tika, you know, to go back to school and to finish out her education. And they really kind of lean on each other and develop a friendship, which turns into a relationship, and eventually the two fall in love. And everything in their lives kind of becomes very positive from here. I mean, they really start making a lot of progress, he ends up getting a job, she ends up furthering her education, and she's looking for work as well. And they're getting to a place where they can actually leave the shelter. So they've really turned things 360 here. And I think at this point in their relationship, I, I'm not sure how long they had been seeing each other, but he proposes to her and they end up getting married. So roughly four months after that is when... Hold on, sorry, I just got a text. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> it's when
1: you got a text.
0: <laughs> I'll go back and cut that. Maybe I won't. But let me let me hop back on. So, yes. So PJ and Tika, they end up getting married. And four months after that, they thought that things couldn't get any better. They end up finding out that they're pregnant. So Tika is going to have her first child at 28. I think she's about to turn 29 around this time. Uh, and everything is kind of on the up and up because the shelter is actually... It's actually a spot that has a lot of resources for expecting mothers, so they would end up staying there a little bit longer than expected uh, because of the pregnancy, because they have free resources for healthcare, for pre- prenatal supplies, baby supplies. So that's what they do. They stick around, and this is where the story takes a little bit of a turn, because it introduces Tika to another person. Now... It wasn't just the continuum of care that was supplying resources um, for her pregnancy. There were a lot of third-party people and affiliates who would call in and volunteer with the center, with the shelter, to help provide or donate or offer any kind of assistance or resources they could. And that's when Tika gets contacted by a woman. And she was contacted by several people, several different affiliates who wanted to donate and help her. But this one woman, Stephanie Mills, is very important. Now, before I jump into why this whole story goes off the rails, um, did any of that refresh your memory or this is truly like a brand new story for you?
1: Truly brand new story. Um, And this is really going to break my heart because it sounds like such a story of redemption sort of up until this point, like turning her life around and meeting somebody and really embarking on like the next like positive chapter of her life.
0: Right. I mean, don't do I, this to me. I know. I know. <laughs> I promise I'm not setting you up for devastation because all of this story is told firsthand from her. So I mean to to sort of like quell your your concerns, she does survive the story and everything that goes okay. on here. So this is all from her her word. Now, okay. let's get into the Stephanie Mills character because this is some s***. <laughs> okay. Now, like I said, for during the pregnancy, Tika and PJ, they'd received a lot of contact with different people, different volunteers, and then eventually, Stephanie Mills comes into the picture, and this is only in about the final month of Tika's pregnancy, so this is roughly around October 30th, we know that Stephanie Mills ends up calling in and gets connected with Tika. She describes herself on the phone as a caseworker and says that she typically works with expecting mothers to try to help them find different resources, she connects them with different people who can donate supplies. It's a positive thing, right? And Tika is in a although they're in a position where they're eyeing to leave the shelter, they're still in the mindset of let let's take any of the help we can to make sure when we do get out of here after she's born, we're on good footing, right? It's a, it's a fair assumption. Mm-hmm. So she keeps contact with her um almost every single day, actually, for a full month during the last month of her pregnancy. And she was so invested in Tika. At one point, she's calling her like multiple times a day. And she's always kind of opening these calls with, oh, you know, how, how's the baby doing? You know, like, she's really invested in how, how the baby's, how the pregnancy's going, how the baby's doing. And at first, it seemed really kind, like maybe she was just a passionate caseworker. And the, the interest was just that she, she really cared about her. But PJ kind of sniffs that something's up, and he mentions it to Tika, and he's like, something feels kind of off with this woman. She seems overly interested in them and overly interested in this pregnancy, but Tika kind of brushes this off, and she's like, not only do we need the help, but this woman is kind enough to, like, you know, keep up with us. You know, she's calling me every single day, and I think this could be good for us, but I don't have to tell you, you know something feels off already when, like, You've got this random woman who's calling her multiple times a day, checking in and how her baby's doing.
1: Totally. But also, it could be not that out of the norm because she's, a, she's like a social worker, the Stephanie Mills character.
0: So she says.
1: <gasps>
0: <laughs> so she says. Yes. She Stop. describes herself as a caseworker. I don't yeah. even think she uses the word social worker. But yeah, I, <laughs> I do know what you mean. That gives it like a level of authority in a weird way. Yes.
1: Yeah. Oh, God. But, yeah, definitely something's off.
0: Yeah, PJ suspects something's off. But, again, Tika kind of brushes the, dot. She brushes the whole thing off. So she's pretty insistent that not only does she think the lady is harmless, but she, you know, keeps reminding him, like, we need her. We need this help, and we need every resource we can get. And if she's connected with organizations that are willing to help, let's let her. Now, Now this will bring us to the point where I think they're, like, a week or so away from her expected due date. I think she's due the first week of December. So again, a full month has passed of this woman. Stephanie Mills, repeatedly calling her. And eventually she organizes with her. You know, she says, you know, the baby's coming very soon. We should do something where I can pick you up and I can actually bring you to come pick up all of these clothes I've been talking about, right? I can connect you with the place that's going to give it to you. So they organize this. She sets up a, a date and she arranges to pick up Tika outside of the shelter December 2nd, very early in the morning. It's like 6 a.m. And Tika, at this point, again, she's days away from delivery. She is massive. Like, she's all stomach, and she she's not really able to move all too quickly. But again, she still wants to get the free resources, get the clothes, get the free resources that Stephanie is offering. So she gets in the car. Stephanie pulls up. Everything seems completely normal. She's got this, like, older sedan. They're talking, and it seems fine. But maybe, like, a few minutes into that drive... Stephanie kind of starts complaining that there's like a rattling noise in the car and she says there's something wrong with the car. Like, like I think um, it's been having trouble and I think I need to have my friend come look at it. Would you mind if we just stop at my apartment for an hour? It won't take more than an hour out of our day, like out of what we're planning. I just don't feel comfortable driving it. So would you mind if we stopped? And again, Tika, this woman has been so nice to her so far and she's promised her a lot. So she really doesn't want to step on any toes. She doesn't want to say no or upset her in any way, So and it's only an hour, so she agrees to it. She says, sure, let's go back to your apartment, you can call your friend, he'll come check out the car. It's just an hour. And also, she has a phone with her, because PJ and her had prepaid cell phones they got, and PJ was like, I'm going to be in contact with you the entire time. He couldn't be with her for this, because he had to work that day. He's like, just call me whenever you get there, Like, keep me updated, let me know where you're at. So again, she feels comfortable. She's got the phone. They're just going to her apartment. The woman seems nice. So they pull up to the apartment. And if I could describe the building, it's kind of like a series of, it's a pretty massive complex, but it's a series of different apartments that span three levels. They're all interconnected with different doors that go from building to building, um, lots of stairwells. And they get up to the apartment and they open the door. And the second they open it, Tika feels that something's a little wrong here. The apartment is really, really dark. And it's the middle of the day, right? It's it's like abnormally dark to walk in. Almost like every single door is closed. Every shade is drawn. Um, but she, again, she doesn't think much of it. She's just like, okay, that's a little odd. And this woman, Stephanie Mills, she leads her into the living room and she has her sit on the couch, which she also notices something that's off because the couch has this huge throw blanket that's like already sprawled out on it. It's just odd, like little details like Almost that. Almost
1: like a towel or something, like Cut. it's already out on the bed.
0: Yeah, it's it's on the couch and it's, it is a throw blanket, but it's just, it's set up in a specific way that looks strange to her. It, these are things that she mm-hmm. notes afterwards when she's like recounting the story. But in the moment, you probably wouldn't think much of it. Like your guard would be down. So she sits on the couch and I think they turn the TV on and Stephanie Mills says, I'm going to go in the kitchen and make a phone call. I'm going to call my friend. So Tika's sitting there on this couch, and she notices that her ankles are really swollen, again, four days from due date. And for whatever reason, she decides, I've got to take my shoes off, and i just got to put them up on the couch for a minute. And it's after that that Stephanie Mills comes back in and kind of lets her know, like, my friend's going to be coming. Would you mind just, like, watching a movie with me? Or we could just watch TV for a little bit. And they sit on that couch together so they can watch and wait for this friend, the friend who would never come. This is where things get really, really heavy real fast, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I'm in,
1: like, an episode of, like, American Horror Story or something. Like, this feels very Ryan Murphy.
0: Something. It's – as I was listening to this the first time, I, I remembered like, while researching it, my experience listening to it, it it feels like you're watching a movie. I mean, every single description of how this story went down is unbelievable. So they're sitting on the couch, right? They're watching this movie. And her the, – the thing the thing I wanted to mention about, like, why she took off her shoes – is that I think it just spells out how far her guard was down. You know, she didn't feel unsafe at any moment up until this point. And they're just hanging there. Some time passes. They're watching the movie. And something funny happens on screen. This is what Tika remembers. Something funny happened on screen. And they both kind of start laughing, like hysterically laughing at it. Everything's fine. Within a split second, all of a sudden, the, the throw blanket that was under her got ripped out. And pulled over her head. And she you, you can imagine, like, the instant confusion to go from laughing to then, like, what the f*** is happening? Like, there's, like, a blanket oh, over her head. Uh, don't m- Mind you, she's enormous. She's so pregnant, she can't really move very well. And she realizes that Stephanie Mills is on top of her. She's, like, holding her down. And she's like, what is going on? Like, is, it, is this a joke? Is she pranking me? Like, what's going on? Like, she, again, doesn't assume the worst until she feels a burning sensation in the back of her head she would feel the burn of a fire poker repeatedly whacking the back of her head until it splits open and she could feel the hot blood from the back of her neck pooling down her shirt and this is the moment that she knew she was like in the next few minutes this is a life or death situation
1: oh my god i
0: couldn't process what's happening but she knows she's about to die so she eventually is able to, like, fight. I mean, she she's much smaller than Stephanie Mills, but she kicks her off. And again, the apartment is really dark, but she remembers the pathway to the hallway that gets her to the front door. Gets to the front door. The door is, like, bolted with four different locks. So she's, again, bleeding out from the back of her head. She's frantic. She's, you know, struggling to get these locks undone. She hears the footsteps of Stephanie Mills run up behind her and grabs her, from behind. So then at this point, they're kind of wrestling each other and Stephanie's much bigger than her. She gets her down to the ground really fast and I think she's losing so much blood and her blood pressure is dropping so rapidly that Tika is kind of becoming a little shaky and dizzy at this point. But basically, I mean Tika gets a kick of adrenaline. I don't know what happens inside of her, but she she really overpowers Stephanie for a second and she gets on top of her while they're wrestling. And she grabs her by the neck and she described that she used every ounce of strength that she had, this woman, to squeeze this woman's neck and try to choke her out, basically. Yeah. And she remembered looking at her and she's like, um, Stephanie Mills, this woman, she's on the ground like begging for forgiveness from God. She's like calling out to God. But she's using so much strength during this, she passes out while on top of her. So then Stephanie Oh, so she
1: passed out while trying to choke her out?
0: Yeah, yeah. She had used up so much oh. strength and she was losing so much blood that she basically just blacks out. And then Stephanie Mills gets on top of her and flips her over. And then the next thing she realized, she was kind of like drifting in and out of consciousness, but she she comes to and Stephanie Mills is dragging her by the ankles into the kitchen. And don't forget, there is blood like all over the place at this point. There's blood over Stephanie, all over Tika, on the floor, the door, everywhere. So she gets her to the kitchen, and again, she's kind of in and out, but she remembers that she saw Stephanie kind of cleaning the blood from her neck and from her face first, and then she starts cleaning the blood from the floor and around Tika and the blood of the apartment, Uh, but then she remembered hearing, like, a kitchen drawer open, and Stephanie had gone into that drawer, and she grabbed a box cutter, and she comes over to Tika, who's laying face up, barely conscious on the floor, and she takes no. the box cutter from the side and jams it into the side of her stomach and pulls from <gasps> top to bottom. And this shoots another another jolt of adrenaline through Tika, who springs up and, again, tries to fight, tries to wrestle the box cutter out of this woman's hand. But, again, she falls weak because she's lost so much blood. Stephanie overpowers her. So then Stephanie stops with the box cutter, and what Tika hears in the background is a cell phone ringing it's her cell phone it's pj trying to call her to see like hey did you get there like you were supposed to call and check in with me because he's at work she can't move she can't even physically lift her head at this point but what she does kind of catch out of the corner of her eye is this woman mills gets up goes to the living room finds that phone brings it back and smashes it in front of tika that is her one way to help you know what I mean? if she's physically incapacitated the phone was her only way out, and it's gone. Now, before I get any further, I know I've thrown a lot at you. Did you have any <laughs> inclination the story was going to take that direction?
1: Okay, my adrenaline is pumping right now. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm fighting for my life with each fact that you throw at me. I
0: know, this This one's crazy. Oh, it's a lot. Oh
1: my god. The Okay. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond. Like, I cannot believe that maybe it really is that, you know, Mama Bear protective animal instinct mode that, like, mm-hmm. she just knew how threatened she was and just was able to pull it together. But, oh, my God, I cannot imagine being nine months pregnant and having to fight someone off like that. Yeah. and. The- box cutter is insane the box
0: cutter i when i read that i was it sent a, a shiver up my spine like what a horrific horrific weapon like a rusted box cutter but yeah which yeah, j- was like the jilts of adrenaline like the strength she was able to muster her head is split open in the back
1: okay wait so you said she was slamming her head with a fi- What? what was it yeah it was
0: a fire poker Like a metal fire poker, which basically... So she put her under the blanket because she knew she couldn't move very well anyway. She's pregnant. She needs help. Um, So she's confused already. So then she grabs a fire poker and just starts repeatedly hitting her in the back of the head until she splits her head open. But then when she gets up, gets to the door, they have the wrestling match. And then eventually Tika had lost so much blood that she's kind of rendered weak. In the kitchen, the box cutter thing goes down. Now... She stops this, though. This woman, Stephanie Mills, she only cut her from the side, and then I think either the cell phone or something interrupted her, pulled her focus, but she doesn't go back to cutting her. Instead, this will let you know how big and scary this woman is, Stephanie Mills, picks this woman up, this pregnant woman, and carries her to her shower. Puts her, this, is, this is when she is going to fly off the rails. Puts her in her shower. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Puts her in the shower and takes off her clothes, starts bathing her, and then starts trimming her fingernails. So, your face, I'm sorry, your face. <laughs> no, I think. I thought this was
1: gonna be her <laughs> trying to take the baby, and now it's turned into like, what?
0: You'll, we'll get into a lot of what's going down, but basically, what Tika had realized was that this was very clearly a life or death situation because she's trying to, in her mind, what Stephanie's trying to do is remove evidence of Stephanie on Tika. Like, she's, like, oh, trying, yeah, she's okay. trying to, like, wash her DNA off of her and, like, get, like, the DNA out from underneath her fingernails. I mean, it's not a foolproof way to go about this, but it kind of gives you a way into, like, the the illogical thinking, like, the delusion of this woman, like, the kind of woman yeah. we're operating with. Now, Tika would remain in that shower, and she, again, she's fading in and out of consciousness at this point with this distorted woman who's over her bathing her, and at this point, I think nine... Full hours pass by the time Stephanie's done cleaning her. Now, like I said, PJ still hasn't been able to contact he doesn't he doesn't have a contact with Stephanie Mills. You know, he just knows of the woman, can't get a hold of Tika. But he actually doesn't assume the worst, even though he had that initial instinct that something was off with this lady. He thinks that she probably went into labor. So he spends all of his time, these like valuable hours before he calls the police, trying to contact hospitals in both D.C. and Maryland. He's like, maybe they were driving. And she went into labor because she's only four days away from her due date. So he's doing all of that in the background. That's what's going on. Now, after the shower, Tika is picked up and carried again. And she's brought to a bedroom, which she described in her interviews. It looked like it belonged to a man. And again, it's very dark in there. She's barely conscious, kind of in and out of it. And after several hours of her just laying on this dark bed, um, this bed in this dark room, She kind of comes to uh, and looks at the doorway, and she sees a man standing in the doorway who's staring at her. And he is enormous, this extremely large man, Um, he's roughly like in his twenties and we would later learn that this is Mills' son and he's just looking at her covered in blood. And it's assumed that this was his bedroom that she was placed in. Now she thought at the time from the way that he was looking at her, that he was going to come in and sexually assault her. He did not. He just stared at her. But then shortly after he's staring at her, that's when Stephanie Mills comes back into the room with her son and she says, hold her down. Oh God! <laughs> Sorry. They press her. So they press her arms and her feet together, and they restrain them in the bed with what they described as like a combination of using do rags to tie her up as well as duct tape. Um, there, there are varying reports, and it changes at different points in the story. So during this entire experience, Mill's son never once speaks; doesn't say a word, but he listens to everything that his mother tells him to do. And then a period of two days would pass with Tika being tied up in this room in this state and you know Mills keeps coming in she's kind of tending to her she's giving her food she's giving her water she's making sure that she can go to the bathroom and she's cleaning up around her I mean it's really it's really really confusing and bizarre and you're probably asking yourself at this point like why is this woman helping her recover so what Tika would learn was that the plan was of Stephanie Mills, to have Tika recover from this massive head injury um, until she's well enough and strong enough so that Stephanie Mills can carry out the other part of her plan, which is far darker, far, far darker. Now, Stephanie Mills comes into that room again after these two days, only this time she doesn't have food. She doesn't have water. It's something different. She moves in and she's carrying a large metal mixing bowl that's filled with ice water. She has a box cutter. She has rags and scissors. (sighs) She leaves her supplies right next to the bed on the nightstand and she moves towards this lamp in the corner of the room that's kind of the only light in there, pulls the shade off to expose as much light as possible because she is about to do the unthinkable. So Tika knew In this moment that she was about to lose her baby and probably her life in that bed for whatever was going to happen. So Mills starts wetting one of the rags and she stuffs it in Tika's mouth and covers it with duct tape and she kind of whispers to her, she goes, if you feel pain, bite down on the rag. And then she turns on a DVD on the TV in the room, which started to play Michael Jackson's This Is It, which I think is presumed because she wanted to drown out the noise. I know. Like, Tika makes jokes about this later on. I think she's found a a sense of humor in the horror. But she says to this day she can't listen to Michael Jackson for this reason. And
1: No, no sh. <laughs> this is the craziest episode of american (laughs) horror story i swear to god
0: i i'm surprised ryan murphy hasn't latched onto the story um honestly but yeah basically she had turned on a concert dvd because she wanted to turn it up all the way to drown out whatever the screams were gonna be for what she was gonna do so then this woman stephanie mills gets on top of tika grabs that box cutter and sliced her open the full length of her stomach and starts reaching inside of her, all while she's conscious. Now, the pain that she described, this woman, I mean, she's like in and out of consciousness. The pain is so unbearable. It's like a a burning sensation, but she also described it as this heavy feeling. And she would wake up in different moments and see, like, Stephanie Mills on top of her reaching inside of her stomach, and then she would pass out again. Wakes up again, same thing. And this goes on for, like, a period of time until she eventually wakes up, and she's, like, losing a lot of blood. It's incredible she's still alive mm-hmm. at this point. And Stephanie Mills is right up in her face, and she goes, do you want me to stop? Or should I keep reaching inside of you to get the baby? Tika can't even, like, fathom – she can't even process what's happening to her. She's, like, couldn't even respond. Oh, my God. This, what, this insane woman is on top of her going, do you want me to stop? Or should I keep going? Like, What? Stu, I, I, I uh, oh uh, my God.
1: It, this feels like an insane dream, an insane it's nightmare a, yeah, that it's you nightmare,
0: have. It's a, it's a fever dream feel. And I mean, Tika, she's so physically drained at this point. Like I said, she can't even respond. But Stephanie Mills decides to stop because she's afraid at this point. She wants that baby. It's clear that it's about the baby, but she knows if mm-hmm. Tika dies, the baby dies. So she's like, let me just let her rest and then I'll resume what I was doing. So Stephanie Mills, she wets a bunch of rags, stuffs them in her open stomach, and Mm -hmm. then Tika just passes out. She just kind of fades into unconsciousness. We now arrive at day four. She has been there for four four days with a completely open stomach and a cracked skull. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Can
1: Can we also just pause and acknowledge what a fool the Stephanie Mills woman was because if she had any sense, just kidnap the woman and make her go into labor at this apartment.
0: Seriously. I Like, I don't understand. I mean, obviously, you're working with, like, a very delusional person. A person who's not operating in reality, you know, when you're working with yeah. the Stephanie Mills character. I just... It's never really clear, like, what the plan is for the aftermath. And you, we would realize later in the investigation, like, how loosely strung together this whole thing was. But... This is not even the, costume. So I have to prepare you for what's going to happen on day four. <laughs>
1: like, oh God, no! I
0: <laughs> oh God, all right. So day four. Now, Tika opens her eyes and she realizes, one, she's alive. Two, she's still in this room and that it's daylight outside. It's daytime. So she she kind of like looks around this like dark, musty room and she looks down at her stomach. She can visibly see her intestines hanging out of her. Her entire body is basically out of her. Oh my, god. oh my god. But miraculously, she can feel her baby kicking inside of her. The baby is still alive, and she's assuming is fine. This gives her a different will to survive, she's described. So she kind of looks around the room to see, like, what are her surroundings. She sees Mills, who is sleeping in the doorway of the exit of the room in fetal position on the floor. And she's blocking the exit, the only exit to get out of that room. Now... I don't know how she did this. I, I It's actually incredible. Tika finds the strength to make one last attempt to get out of that bed. So here's where we're at. Don't forget, she was already, like, gagged, and she had her hands tied. The sweat around her mouth from when Mills was kind of digging inside of her has, like, loosened the duct tape. So she gets the duct tape off her mouth. She can spit out the rag, and that leaves her teeth free so she can reach up and she can bite on the do-rag that's tied up, um, binding her hands. So she ties that, or pulls that untied with her teeth. And then she kind of like, like waddles her way up in the bed, trying to like sit up. She's incredibly shaky, as you can imagine. While she's doing that, her wedding ring knocks the metal bowl that's on the nightstand and makes a huge noise in the room. And she kind of pauses and looks to Stephanie Mills, who doesn't move. She's still asleep. So that's when she knew she was like, I have, a ch- I have a chance right now. I have a real chance to get out of this bed if I can get to that doorway, undo those locks, I can get out of this house. So she, she describes us that she like carefully inched her way off the bed very quietly, not, doesn't make any creaks to standing. She gets on her legs that felt so weak she was like, I could have collapsed to my knees like at any second. any second I could have collapsed and I could have, I could have brought this woman awake. So then she starts walking towards the doorway. And she's going to make her way because she has to step over Stephanie Mills, who's sleeping, to get out of there and get to the hallway. And at this point, gravity is taking over, so she's bleeding again. Her exposed stomach is literally pooling blood all over the floor. And by the time she gets to Stephanie Mills, she goes to step over her very quietly. And all of this blood pours directly onto Stephanie Mills, the woman sleeping. (laughs) Like, directly onto the blanket, like saturating the blanket still doesn't wake up so she just quietly kind of lifts her other leg and gets over to the hallway she's bleeding so much and she's just moving down the hall and she can barely keep herself up she's kind of like pressing up against walls to keep herself propped up and leaving all of these blood marks and she makes her way down the hallway towards the front door but to get there she has to pass the living room so she gets to the living room and kind of peers over the corner where she sees Stephanie Mills' son who is also sleeping on the couch directly facing the door. (laughs) You can't write this It's unbelievable. So she just quietly makes her way to the door slowly and carefully undoes each lock one by one. She's got four of them and then tries to like open that door without making any creaking sounds and she exposes the light She hadn't seen light in four days. But this is when like a second jolt goes through her. She's like, I'm out. I'm out. Runs out of there and immediately starts making her way to a different part of the building. And she starts screaming and banging on doors, which honestly she should not have done. Um, I'm sure she was just extremely desperate to find help. But she starts banging on doors. Nobody's answering.
1: no 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 no. one
0: is answering her in this apartment building and she's she's getting weaker every single moment that she's she's out there every like step she takes she's losing more blood she's getting more dizzy more delirious nobody seems to be home in this apartment she even made her way up to a landing on the second floor and that's where she kind of just collapses in front of someone's door she can't knock anymore she's just losing so much blood but she kind of like can see down the landing to um, the first level outside where suddenly she sees Stephanie Mills and the son no. screaming at each other. I think they're outside at this point. They're screaming. They're like yelling at me, like, we have to find her. We got to find her. And they split <gasps> up. So they start taking no. off to try to find her. Within two minutes, Stephanie Mills' son spots Tika at the top of that landing. And he goes, I got her, mom. And runs up the stairs. And grabs her by the legs. And then Stephanie Mills finds her too. Comes from behind and picks her up. And at this point, Tika is... I mean, they're going to take her back to the apartment and finish what they started. Like, she got out and they're taking her back. So she's just fighting with everything she's got. Literally everything she has in her. She's screaming. She's kicking. She's trying to bite them. And it just so happened that at this point, a man happened to be coming into the apartment. He was going up those stairs. And he kind of stumbles upon this. And he's like what the actual f*** is this? Like, Yeah. And to which, like, Tika's still screaming. She's hysterical. And Stephanie Mills is like, sir, she had a miscarriage and she's having a breakdown. We're trying to get her to safety. This And this is like, this almost could have landed, too. It's like that weird bystander effect where you're, like, confused. You're not really sure what you're witnessing. And the first person who tells you something is saying, like, sir, she had a miscarriage. That's why there's all this blood. Like, she's having a psychotic episode. We're trying to get her to... You know get her some help like we're just trying to get her back to the apartment so then tika is screaming too and she's saying no i've been cut open they, they've had me captive she kicks the sun gets on her feet and there are a couple of different reports on this but i'm not certain but what was described is that she gets on her feet and all of her intestines basically fall <gasps> to her knees in front of this man and at that oh, point he's god, like my god my god he's like holy shit Holy shit, I'm calling the police. fuck you all like. So the next part of the story is a little hazy. We know that he stays with her. Tika immediately blacks out. She doesn't remember anything after this, and it's unclear whether Stephanie Mills and her son were arrested there or they ran away and then got arrested later. But the next thing Tika knew, she woke up in a hospital. She's in a hospital and she looks to her right. She sees P j, who's there with her. And she looks down at her stomach. Her stomach is flat and covered in bandages. And she starts panicking and PJ says, we have a beautiful baby girl. (gasps) She arrived at that hospital and under emergency C-section, the baby girl was delivered perfectly fine. That is one of the most miraculous escape stories I truly have ever heard in my life. And when they would patch all of this up. So like she's in the hospital recovering. The baby girl is fine. Um, It was a miracle. She was And after a couple of days, investigators are filling her in on everything that had happened. And they end up um, showing her a lineup where she's able to accurately point out Stephanie Mills and her son, who they would inform her is not Stephanie Mills. And everything that she knew about this Stephanie Mills was a lie. So Stephanie Mills was actually a woman. Let me get her actual name. I think it was Veronica Deramuse. She was a mother of four who had previously been convicted for, I believe, felony fraud and I think identity theft. And the reason that she was concocting this plan was because she had a boyfriend who she did not want to lose. So she had concocted this lie that she was pregnant and then had stopped like kind of like seeing people in person, but was keeping up this lie for months and months and months that she was pregnant. So she had to get a baby. And she devised this plan that she was going to basically prey upon this woman from a shelter and, like, lure her to her home and take her baby. Now, like I said, the plan was very loosely strung together, so it was never clear, like, what was the, the afterthought, like, what was going to happen after she got the baby, what would happen to Tika, which actually proved really difficult in court because Stephanie Mills was charged, but they couldn't charge her with attempted murder, which is insane because they could not prove intent. They could not prove that she had the intent. And I think the defense actually argued that with all of the evidence they had on the story, she actually had the intention to try to keep Tika alive for the sake of the baby. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I was like, well, that is a miscarriage of justice if I've ever heard one. (laughs) So... The court, yeah, so eventually they, they can't charge her for murder. They're able to charge her, I think, with first-degree assault as well as kidnapping, which does land her 25 years in prison. Her son, who was in, her 20, in his 20s, is never charged because it's not 100%, but I think from court records that were released, he was deemed um, mentally incapacitated and was not fully aware of what he was doing. So I think the assumption is that he was special needs, And he was coerced by his mother into doing something he couldn't fully comprehend. So he's never charged. And I think he actually testified against his mother in court. And you know who also testified against? Stephanie Mills, Veronica Deramus, Who? Tika herself on the stand.
1: That's incredible. Showed up
0: at court with her baby, her baby who survived and testified against her. And she was very lucid for that entire story. Like she's the one who told this story. So she was able to give some really specific details about what happened to her in those four days. And like I said, she does have a sense of humor in the horror here because she's made levity of it. She's made jokes. She even cites that it brought a lot of her family back together as she was recovering in the hospital. The family she was estranged from, from 16, they came back into her life. And despite all of that going down, um, she still marks the day that her daughter was born, which was also the day she escaped as the greatest day Of her life. That is a story for you, Stu. (laughs) I'm
1: going to fall out of my chair. I, my whole body has chills right now. And I'm also like my palms are sweating because I feel like I just escaped.
0: When you listen to it, it really, it feels like you're reading a book or something. I'm like, I'm I'm on the ride of this.
1: I was just gonna say every time I feel like you've said "get ready, like buckle up," I actually feel like I just completed a, a ride at an amusement park, like a, a really f-ing scary one.
0: Yeah, the roller coaster <laughs> was... of this story is unbelievable. It's, it's actually scary oh to me that that's not that's not the only story like that. There are lots of stories of what I guess they call this fetal abduction of like women or men trying to like steal fetuses from pregnant women.
1: Yeah. Well, I was like curious what the motive was. So uh, I appreciate you telling me that she had this boyfriend. She concocted the story. Um, Because I was like, do people do this? Because they like sell children like
0: Mm -hmm. on the
1: black, like they traffic children. Like, why do people do this? I mean...
0: Yeah, it's I mean, it definitely had to be something dark like that. I thought black market at first too, but then I realized I was like, no, I was, this is probably because she's trying to keep the baby. She's just not she's a woman who's like detached from reality and isn't thinking any yeah. of this through. It's and also to think that like she made her she involved her son in what she was doing here. I mean, the horrors of what went on in that house for like those 4 days and I couldn't even the last sequence of that story too when she has to walk over stephanie mills like step over her oh my god she was holding so she described that she had to hold her stomach together she had to hold her organs in place to get out of the apartment that's a survival story holy
1: that, shit yeah like, i mean also just the baby living through all of that like i know the human body is insane like i cannot believe that that baby was able to survive all
0: of that it's it's absolutely unbelievable. They did end up naming their baby Miracle, which I – Miracle Sky, but I mean, I <laughs> I, I would say, say so. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: baby better have a damn good name. Oh, my God. Like, you know you cannot come out of this and your name is, like, Gerald. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. going to be – it's got to be something amazing.
0: For anyone who's listening whose name is Gerald, we do love it. Appreciate yeah, we... you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Apologies, Gerald. Um. Oh, my God. No, I, so – how old was Stephanie Mills? And how old was oh, Tika again? So
0: Tika I th- was 28. I think Tika actually at this point was had just turned 29. She was 29. And Stephanie Mills, okay. I'm not sure how much older she was. I kind of vaguely, like faintly remember reading that she was in her 40s. So maybe that was part of the reason why she concocted the lie that she, she was pregnant if, like, she couldn't actually get pregnant. Because she yeah. had four children previously. But <laughs> I – I, I really don't know. I mean, the positive to this story, like I said, is that Tika, she does make a full recovery and the baby is fine. And her and PJ eventually go on to buy a home together for them and their daughter, which is, it's just the it's most, so, uh, it's just the most unbelievable story I, <laughs> I've ever heard in my life.
1: It really is. I wonder, <laughs> like, it's so interesting to think about what the game plan was. Had it all gone the way that Stephanie Mills wanted it to go, mm-hmm. what do you then do? Like- you don't think that this PJ guy is going to be after you or report you and I guess she that's obviously why she had a different name but it would be pretty darn easy for him to figure out I think who she is and report her.
0: I guess yeah. Like
1: this whole plan is just it's, hanky. it's very
0: yeah, it's super Hanky. I yeah, I was more so curious about like what was going to happen to her. In the aftermath, like, what her plans were to dispose of the body. Because clearly she was trying to, like, get evidence off of her, which didn't make any sense because she hadn't even completed the job that she started. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just – a lot of it was just – it truly just, like, it was born out of, like, psychotic thought. It didn't make any sense. Totally. So I can't imagine totally. that, like, Stephanie Mills had a, a crack plan on how she was going to dispose of the body after she got that baby. Yeah. I just – And the other thing – Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, the other thing I was thinking – I know I said earlier, wouldn't it have just been easier to kidnap her and have her, you know, deliver the baby in the house? Mm-hmm. Why why did she go to the lengths to try to do a, like, at-home botched C-section? Like, that the chances of her killing that baby by doing it that way mm-hmm. are so much higher than had she just had Tika, uh, you know, do regular delivery in
0: mm-hmm. the home
1: and cut the umbilical cord. Like, I just... I wonder if she she, absolutely crazy she
0: might have been concerned because the concern from the get-go was that she wanted Tika to recover from the head injury because she was afraid if she didn't she would die and the baby would die so I think that maybe she thought she was running out of time if I'm trying to like piece together the logic of this woman she thought that like Tika's about to die she's days away from death I have to get the baby out before Tika dies otherwise this is all for nothing it's just so sinister to imagine that like This was a premeditated thing. Like they had a plan. Yeah. She got her son involved in it. Like all of this, this had been like at least a month in planning. And honestly, there was never any connection made as to why Tika, like why choose this woman? Other than that, like she was just a vulnerable woman from the shelter that this woman like preyed upon and the shelter didn't have, they didn't have a check system. Obviously if someone's coming, like calling in to volunteer and, you know, you're limited on resources and funding as a shelter. You just accept the help, the volunteers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So any of, like, the coordination and communication that was going on behind the scenes, I don't think they were monitoring or checking to see that, like, is this woman actually a caseworker? Is she a social worker or an affiliate? She was just a stranger. Please be careful out there. Don't go on these Craigslist yeah. meetups. <laughs> like
1: oh You never God, know. I,
0: got...
1: I want to know... It, so... If the Stephanie Mills character is still in jail.
0: Oh, yeah, because this um let me think. So 1996, Tika was 16, and then a full decade had passed. So this was, like, mid-2000s when this all went down. So, yeah, she's definitely still in prison, I'm assuming.
1: And I wonder if this shelter is still around. Like, I am going to be so shook if I figure out where it is here and I, like, walk past it.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm forgetting. (laughs) I forgot after telling this whole story that this all took place in D.C., (laughs) Oh my god. Yikes. But that is the story. That is the story of Tika Adams, the miraculous story of her survival. It's not quite an unsolved case or um I guess it is a true crime case, but not in the sense of murder, but really like what she endured and what she got out of. Yeah. It's incredible the human body was able to like survive that with the amount of blood that she lost. I I find that to be one of the most incredible details of the story.
1: I feel like I'm walking away. Like normally, because they're unsolved cases, I walk away from our podcast recordings being like, you know, really ruminating about like, you know, what could have happened and what did happen, whatever. Oh, you spend but days.
0: Like, You'll follow up with me and be spend like, what about days. this? What about that? Like yeah.
1: yeah. But with this, I'm literally, I feel like I just took a hit of acid and I'm gonna have to process. Like I'm literally just gonna be like, wait. Oh, is that real? I'm sure that's how Tika feels every day of her damn life. Oh, I
0: can't even the imagine. The therapy like,
1: she has to go through. Oh, my God.
0: I, I don't know how you, like, mentally survive something like that. I mean, in the interviews, it's it's crazy that she, she does balance this with, like, a little bit of levity. But I guess you kind of have to. Like, it's the only way to kind of survive trauma like that. Yeah. I can't, I'm about to go to the eye doctor after. I'm going to be – my <laughs> pupils are going to be so dilated and they're like <laughs> – Blood pressure through the fucking roof, and like, are you okay? They're
1: gonna bring out like a box cutter. Like, stop! <laughs> stop it now. Doctor's like opening a new pack of like contacts. You're gonna be just like shuddering on the.
0: <laughs> Jesus.
1: No, oh I mean I don't know. But
0: let me know, Creepers, if we should cover more stories like this, survival stories, because I don't think we've ever done one like that. Actually,
1: definitely not. No, yeah.
0: definitely not. We shouldn't cover them. <laughs> No, we okay.
1: have, definitely not. We have not covered them. I know, but I need to next time. Oh my gosh, I feel like I need to be like running on a treadmill or something the next time we do these because I felt like I was literally running for my life. I you know.
0: Should I have warned you before <laughs> that one? For some reason, I, I had this sadistic feeling. I'm like, I wanted to blind react.
1: Oh I, well, I am blind reacting, baby. That was really that was fun. I mean, I hate saying that because like <laughs> I will that cut was that out. <laughs> <laughs> you should cut that out that will get me canceled um only fun because i knew that it ended well yes, so i was yes. just kind of like um but that was that was wild
0: yeah it is refreshing to have a positive wild outcome. wild well that's all we got for this week on creep time you guys i guess we'll catch you on another one so we will say goodbye
1: bye creepers